Welcome to another exciting weekend message from Encounter Church. For more information, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. But today we are finishing up our reset series that we started uh, in the very beginning of April. And now we're moving forward into uh, finishing up this series. The first week we talked about how there was a problem in our world that we all suffer from this disease that we now know is sin, this nature that lives inside of us that causes us to be selfish and drives us away from God. But we found that the good news was is that there was a solution to that problem and that was Jesus Christ who came to earth, gave his life willingly for us and was willing to lay his life down and then ultimately that gives us a new creation, a new birth in our lives. Last week, we talked about the resurrection and how not only did Jesus die on the cross, but he also rose from the grave, which signaled the beginning of all creation going back to its original intent. And that includes daily living for us. We can become who God made us to be originally. But this week, I'm excited because this week, this message is entitled The Hope. So we take all of that together. We put all of it into a nice package and we know that we have this great hope. It's great news. We have great news, right? And the good news is, the great news is, is that Jesus didn't just leave us here. He didn't just come to earth and then show us a way to live. Jesus gave us his, his life. He was willing to put his life on the line for us. He conquered death. He conquered the grave. And the power of his resurrection is what gives us the ability to connect with our creator, the one who loves us, the one who never leaves us. Isn't that great news? That's fantastic news. And it changes my life and anyone who's followed Jesus has changed their life as well. Everything is being set right again. That's the favorite part that I loved about last week's message was that the resurrection wasn't just for Jesus. It wasn't just that he came out of a grave. It was that it was the signaling, the reset button that ultimately just resets everything. Everything goes back to the way that it was meant to be. Like from the Garden of Eden, that story, the perfection. The Bible tells us that at the end of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, it says that God creates a new heaven and a new earth, and he sets the story right. Everything that we see wrong in our world is now in the process of being made new again. Isn't that great news? That's fantastic news. And Jesus then told his disciples just after he came back and they saw that he was alive and they were just shocked. I mean, imagine seeing someone who you knew to be dead, who is now alive again, that proves their power, that they had conquered death, the true master of life, Jesus Christ. And he gave them a task and he said, I want you now to go out and to share this good news with everyone you see. And they did. But they weren't just told. They were thrilled about it. They were so happy that they got to, to go out into all the world. The Bible tells us in the book of Acts and then beyond and through the rest of the books of, of the New Testament that they laid down their lives. They did everything that they could. They lived, slept, ate, breathed, dreamed the gospel of Jesus Christ, the hope that had transformed them. And I wonder why. I think about it. Why was it so powerful for them? What was so passionate inside of them that they had to like share it at every waking moment with anyone they could find? Well, some of it may have had to do with the fact that they, with that maybe they had spent 400 years without hearing from God. 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament. There was not a single miracle. There wasn't a single word from God. There was none of him, him appearing to move in their midst. And we know now that that was because it was preparing the time for Jesus to come. But they were hungry. 
And their lives were, had, been, had been ruins. I mean, imagine their, their world, their, their, where they lived, was overtaken by the Romans. So they were in captivity under the Romans. And their, the, the Jewish history has been nothing but captivity, essentially. When they moved into the Promised Land, eventually they disobeyed God. And ever since then, it's been from one per, ter, temporary home to another. They went to, to Babylon and to Syria and, and just to different places. And then, and then even when they even came back out of captivity... The Romans then came in and took over their land. So this is the scene that they are in. They're living in a world where they're in just this bondage and captivity of their enemies. They feel like they're waiting for the Messiah, the one who was promised to come and and rescue them. And then Jesus comes onto the scene and changes their life and shows them that there is greater things out there for them. And not just for their people, but for them as, as individuals. It was great news, and they went, they went everywhere they could. And now here we are standing today because of the good news that they were so excited and thrilled to give. They just couldn't help it. You ever had good news like that? You ever had good news that you were just so excited to tell everybody about? I remember, I remember when, my, when my son Lincoln, uh, when, when I found out that we were having a boy. I remember I was living in Maryland at the time, and I was working at... Um, at a welfare-to-work uh, location called Maximus, and I helped people who needed to find jobs, and I was helping them get work. And my wife had an appointment that morning to go find out the sex of our baby. Um, at, we already had our daughter, Autumn, and, who, and so now we were having a second child. And I remember walking outside after work. It was 5 o'clock, and I'm walking outside, and I see next to our little Jeep my, my wife and my little girl, Autumn, with big blue balloons just sitting there floating above her, the helium balloons with a sign that said, it's a boy. And I just, I was just so thrilled. I was so excited. If you're, if you're a dad and you have a boy, you know what I'm talking about. It's this, it's just this such great, exciting news. You know, I mean, I, I have a daughter and my daughter is, is, is the apple of my eye. She is precious to me. But there's something about a boy, too. And I guess it could have been, even if it was a girl, it doesn't matter. What was the first thing I did? I picked up the phone and I called everybody. Mom, I'm having a baby boy. Dad, I'm having a boy. I called my brother. I called my sister. I may have even run inside and told my boss again, you know. Like, I didn't want to be there. Nobody goes back to work after you leave. I did. I went back inside. I'm having a baby boy. We went and celebrated at Fuddruckers. Anybody remember Fuddruckers? Yeah, we went there. It was great. If everyone likes Fuddruckers, why are they all closed? (laughs) I don't know. But um, guys, I mean, that's what it is. Like with good news, when you have great news, you want to share it with everybody. And that's what the disciples did. They had the greatest news in the world. We like to receive good news, don't we? Like each of us, think about it. When you get a job promotion, you want to call and celebrate with your friends. When you, when you have a baby, you want, to, you want to share that. When you get a college acceptance letter, you've been working hard all through high school and you apply to the college that you want and you get that letter in the mail that says you have been accepted or maybe like an award like the Honor Society or, or the Employee of the Month. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been Employee of the Month at, at your job. You're excited. You tell people you're happy when you see your, po- your poster on the wall, right? It's exciting to receive good news. But it's also exciting to share good news. I mean, think about that for a second. On Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, we are always sharing 
like life moments of things that we're excited about, right? I mean, it's, this is no stranger to us. When we're excited about something, we share it. We post it on Facebook or on Instagram. You get likes off of it because people love it. The most liked things that I see on Facebook ever are things about births of kids. Like it's couples who are hugging. It's like, it's happy things about relationships in life. Or if someone says, I got a new job and they're excited about it, likes go through the roof. Because people like receiving good news, people like sharing good news, and people also like sharing in the news and celebrating with other people. And so, but we live in this world where we kind of have these two opposing realities. Where we live in the now, but we also, we also know what is to come. Like last, last week we talked about the, the, the creation of all things coming back, the, the restoring, the restoration but there's a lot of people out in the world who are still living in the now, the people who are stuck. And the image that came to my mind, if you recall, from I think it was week one, and the problem was these chains that set us, that, that keep us chained to the wall. There was the image of the individual who is locked in a cell. And I said that when Jesus Christ came to earth and gave his life on the cross for us, ultimately what he was doing was he broke the chains off of us and he opened the prison door. But what happens is, is there are so many people living in our lives right now all around us, in our world, in our communities, who have been set free because of what Jesus has done for them, and yet they're still sitting in their prison cell and they don't know how to get out. We live in a world where we know where the future is headed. We know that all things will be made right, that all pain will be removed, that there will be no more tears, there will be no more suffering, but we're not there yet. But the beauty of the kingdom of God is that each of us, each of us can be glimpses of the kingdom of God. We carry the kingdom with us. So when we can alleviate pain, when we can alleviate suffering, when we can cry with someone and let them cry on our shoulder, we are making the kingdom come alive in their lives. You see, we have amazing news, but there are so many people out there who have no idea. Why is this message so great? There are people out there, they've heard of Jesus. Many people have heard of Jesus, even if only in just in a cuss word. They know the name of Jesus. And there are many people out there who maybe even know the message of, of the church, of the cross, of, of new life, of the hope that is available to us. And yet, they're still, they're like, I don't understand how this, me, how this has any re- relation to me. How, does this, how is this relevant to my life? We have a mission that we need to move forward on. We have the greatest news of all time. And our question now is, is what is our role? What is our role in this? How can we bring hope to our hurting world? How can each of us play a part in bringing hope to a hurting world? Well, the good news is, is that there was a gentleman in in the Bible, his name was Paul, who asked the same question. He was wrestling with this very same idea. I have this amazing good news, this truth inside of me that has changed me. I am a new person. I'm a new creation. I have new life. And Paul, in the book of Romans, he's writing a letter to the very people who have oppressed his, his nation, the Christians who live there now. And he's writing to, this, to them, and he says to them in Romans 10, if you have a Bible, I encourage you to pull it out. If you have a smartphone or a tablet, I encourage you to, to pull that out and open up your Bible app to Romans 10, verses 13 and 15. And we have notes in your, in your program when you came in as well, if you'd like to follow along or if you want to fill in the blanks with our main point. But it says this. He starts with a great promise. Verse 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's a fact right there. 
Boom, stamp it. That's it. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Bottom line, from the book of Joel, he's pulling from the Old Testament, and he's saying everyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. But then he goes on to ask this question in verse 14. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? Well, that makes sense. You have to believe in order to be saved. But how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? Okay. And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Okay, I see where you're going with this, Paul. Verse 15. And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? And then he goes on to this and he says, this is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. So he's painting a picture here that God has given us a great promise that everyone can be saved. All it takes is to believe. All it takes is to have faith that Jesus Christ is who he says he is and that he can radically transform your life, that he can offer you a hope that is not found anywhere else. It's not found in money. It's not found in sex. It's not found in drugs. It's not found in your job. It's not even found in your family, your wife, or your kids. The true hope of life is found in believing in Jesus Christ. But how can they believe if they don't hear? Our church existing is not enough. We started Encounter Church for a purpose. It wasn't just for us to hang out here. It wasn't just to have really awesome worship. And we do have awesome worship here. I love our worship team. They passionately sing out to Jesus. And I encourage you every week to join them in that and stretch yourself in worship and experience God's love in this room. But it's not just for us. If we, if we just came here on Sunday morning and we, we hung out together and we, we, we sung songs and we ate you know, donuts and we had coffee and we had nice parties and gave away pirates tickets, that's cool for us. But ultimately, no one is going to hear this great news that we have if we just stay inside and keep it to ourselves. In the end, we would end up nothing more than a church in a graveyard church in a graveyard. I had this image this morning while I, or this week while I, was, while I was preparing this message. That's what it would be like. Life and beauty inside of, of this great building, this place where new stories are written and chapters of lives are transformed into something filled with hope and peace and love and life and joy. And yet if we don't take that message to anywhere else, it's just death and destruction and sadness and hopelessness and brokenness outside. If we don't do anything, if we don't tell the people about what we have and the opportunity that they have to have their lives be changed, we are just a beautiful building inside of, a, inside of this graveyard of death and destruction. We have to go and tell people. And that brings us to our main idea of the day is that this is you are a carrier of the greatest news ever given. You can write that down. You are a carrier of the greatest news ever given. Would you guys say this out loud with me? And, and, and say I instead. So let's go. I am a carrier of the greatest news ever given. Do you believe that? You're a carrier of it. A carrier. Now, there was that part in the scripture there that said at the end, it said, how beautiful are the feet of those who carry good news, right? The messengers. And I always grew up in a, I grew up in a very traditional church um, where we would sing these old sort of old-timey choruses. And this song, it said, How lovely on the mountains are the feet of him who bring good news. And I'm like, what the heck are you singing about? Why are we singing about people's feet, 
right? That's what I thought in myself. And as I was studying this week, I came across it and said, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news? That word beautiful in Greek is the word horaios. Horaios. Okay, I want you guys to say that with me. Let's say it out loud. Horaios. Let's try it one more time. I can't hear you loud enough. Horaios. All right? Horaios means simultaneously beautiful and timely. Beautiful and timely. But then the feet are actually described as describing the rapid approach of a messenger. Now, at the time that that scripture was written, that was pulled from Isaiah, okay? The Old Testament, a book in the Old Testament called Isaiah. And in that, the picture that was being painted was the captivity of the Jewish people were being released from Babylon. They had been slaves in Babylon for years, and now they were being released. They were being allowed to go home. And messengers were sent Messengers were sent over the hills and over the mountains because Babylon was north, okay? So to come south, you had to go through the hill country. So in Jerusalem, the watchers on the towers would be looking out for enemies. They'd be looking for things. But the scripture says, how beautiful and timely are the feet of the messengers coming over the mountains to bring the good news of freedom, of freedom, They were so excited to see it. I would bow down and kiss the feet of the people who were bringing me the good news and telling me that my family can come home. That's what it means. The good news, the lovely news, but the timely news. We're hungry for it. We need this news and I need it now. I need it now. It's like Clark Griswold at the end of Christmas vacation where he's waiting for the, he's waiting for the guy to knock on the door because he put the, the deposit down on the pool, you know, and he was waiting for the messenger to come to the door. Like, it's just like that. We are waiting. The world is waiting. The world is waiting for good news, and we have it. Our modern-day example of this would be a bike messenger. A bike messenger. I mean, that person's job is to swiftly and to deliver a message in timely manner. Their job is to get to the place as fast as possible and to give them the news. Now, in that case, it's not always good news, but we have great news. And guys, we are the carriers of the greatest news ever given. We are carriers of hope. We are couriers of hope. We are ambassadors of hope and life and truth to the nations. But how can they hear if they aren't told? How can they hear if they aren't told? What does that mean? The message. We're talking about what is it that they're supposed to hear? The message, the content, the what. It's just about Jesus. And there are times where you will need to speak. They cannot believe if they don't hear, and they can't hear unless they're told. Our job is to actually speak about Jesus. We have to tell people about the good news. Just like you would have a great burger at a restaurant, you're going to share where that was. Just the other night, I went to Dive Bar and Grill that just opened up down on Butler Street. I went there with some friends of ours, and I had probably the greatest burger I've ever had in my life. It was a meatloaf sandwich with mac and cheese on it, and it was the most heart-clogging thing I've ever had in my life. But it was so good. And gravy, oh my gosh, I might want to go there later. But it was so good. And here I am now telling you about how good that restaurant is. You see how easy it is? You don't have to be like, well, let me tell you about Jesus and how he saved my soul. Like, you can just, in your everyday life, oh my gosh, we had a great time at church this week. We had a party afterwards. I won some pirate tickets. It's like, really? You go to a church that gives away pirate tickets? Yeah, it's called Encounter Church. What do you, what do you, you go to church? Yeah, I, I really actually like it. Like, man, I'm telling you, like, 
God's just changed my life. And so I go to that church because they helped me find Jesus. I mean, you can make it natural. You don't have to like go out of your way and be crazy. You can just be yourself. But sometimes you don't have to use words. Uh, I was doing some research trying to actually find the person who, who actually wrote this quote, and apparently no one ever wrote this quote. Some people attribute Francis of Assisi to say this words, and it's not true. But he says, he, well, they say he said, and this, the quote is, is that preach always and sometimes use words. Now, research has shown that he actually never said that. So someone must have taken something he said and then, and then sort of like molded it into a paraphrase. But the message is still true. Okay? You need to preach the message, and the content of your message is all about the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. But your life can also preach that message. You don't have to speak at all times. There are times where you will need to say it. I mean, the Bible is very clear that you need to confess with your mouth that you believe that Jesus is Lord. So in order for someone else to hear that message, you have to speak it. But that doesn't mean that you have to walk up to the stranger on the street and say that. You can, you can be nice. You can do great things. I mean, we, we have outreaches all the time that we are intentionally choosing to show people God's love without actually saying anything. Okay? So that's how can they hear if they aren't told? You have to have a message. We have to tell. But how can they be told if no one goes? That was the next part of that scripture. It has to become personal. You have to choose to make it your own personal mission to actually share the good news with people. Each one has to take responsibility. You and I have to take it upon ourselves. I have taken it upon myself to be a pastor, to try to share that with as, much, much, as many people as possible. You don't have to be up here on stage teaching and preaching, but you need to take responsibility for your own life, for the people that you work with or for the family members. Maybe you have a family member who doesn't know Jesus. My mom has set that tone in my life a lot. She, she, her entire side of her family, they don't know the Lord. They don't know Jesus. My mom prays for them all the time. My mom is always saying, you know, like her, mom, her father was, was on her, on her deathbed and she was saying, dad, you need to know Jesus, you know, and like she's had a life of example of what it means to live a life of love and sacrifice and giving and living a life in service of Jesus. And, and sometimes she used words and other times it was just in the love, but she was always, she took the responsibility for it. But just think about the one. Like you'd say, like, I, I can't change the world. There's no way that I could possibly make everyone in the world, like help everyone to know Jesus. No, but it's all about the one. Our church is about the one. You need to be about the one. It's about the one person who could walk in the door. The one person who might need the hope of Jesus today. Maybe you go to work tomorrow and you, you walk up to somebody and, and, and you don't know what that person is going through. I think I told the story a week or so ago, and I don't want to rehash it, but how I just decided I was going to pray for people at work. And I, all throughout that day, I thought maybe they'd be like, yeah, pray that I can you know, have a better lunch tomorrow or pray that my kids get good grades in school. But no, they opened up to some dark struggles in their lives. There are people hurting all around you. Maybe it's even in your own family. Maybe it's, maybe it's like your son or your daughter. Maybe it's your wife. Maybe it's your brother or your sister. The one, the one. Just focus on the one person and invite them to experience God. Invite them to explore faith and to express. We have this banner right here on the, right here in the front that says that. It says, experience God, explore faith, and express publicly. That's our mantra here. We believe that when you come to Sunday morning, you're going to have an opportunity to meet a God who is alive. This is a safe place for you to invite your friends, to invite your family. We craft this service for the guest.
Thanks for listening to this message from Encounter Church. If you call Encounter Home, or if you would like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving options. Just go to EncounterPGH.com and click on the Support Encounter tab on the left side. This is a quick and simple way to stay up to date with your regular giving. We hope you join us next week.